Thank you, as always, for listening to Caleb vs. Self. In this episode, I get to speak with Magnus, a Rochester artist, member of the Anomaly Film Festival, and a kindred spirit, quite frankly. We talk about his start in radio, internet radio, podcasting. We talk about his passion for art and film. We talk about the reason why he didn't become a marine biologist. Uh, we cover all sorts of stuff. He was a fantastic conversation. I hope to be able to get him on a few more times. I'm pretty sure I could just talk to him forever, to be honest with you, but neither here nor there. If you love what he does, if you love what he was talking about, check him out, please, at Magnus Apollo on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, just all of them. Check him out. Check him out on Patreon as well. Support him and his work there. Uh, I hope, again, to be able to get him on. Uh, it was so much fun, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Oh, thanks for having me. I enjoy that myself. A good ramble, it makes me happy. I needed it for today. So how I came to find you, obviously, is through Matt. Um, and of course, Matt was like, well, check out Mind of Magnus. So I did, naturally. And my first question starts with Mind of Magnus and just talking with people. How did you fall into, first of all, radio? And second of all, just talking to people the way that you do? Well, I have the face for radio, I tell people. So that's how it starts this way. Uh, I love talk radio. I, I love radio. Like, I'm not a music guy. I'm a person that would always listen to talk radio. Like, I, between me and you, my goal is to be the guy who's like midnight, late night call in guy. Like, you saw a werewolf? Tell me more. You know, that's what I want because I want the random weird stories. Um, but I started doing radio early on. Like, I was a young kid and, um, this is kind of funny. Uh, uh, so I went to a radio station uh, when I was probably it was like 18 or so. We went to or 17, 18, went to a radio station for uh, like a college trip or something else. And um, we walked in, hung out, and I inadvertently um, made friends with because I'm a kind of a, I was kind of a quiet guy back then. I make up for it now. I warn everyone. I make, <laughs> I, I'm not quiet anymore now. Right. Uh, but I, I hung around at the radio station and I just was, I was impressed. I thought it was really kind of cool. Oh my gosh. And it was back in Rochester back when uh, the radio stations were over on Winton Road. So the next day I went back and I, I, I made I kind of made a connection with a couple people and you know shot the shit and said hello. And um, the next day I went back and I was like I just kind of hung out for a little bit and there like I was, and I had no, no desire to do anything weird or something else, but I was like, just want to hang out. And I inadvertently like, I got some coffee for people and I just kind of showed up and I told them like, Oh no, I'm here just to help out. I'm with a college class. Uh, and I kind of forced myself to be an intern for a month or so at a radio station. And I would just literally, I had no problem. I just get coffee. And I realized then I watched corporate radio happen and I watched people constantly throwing people under the bus. And I'm like, Oh, I don't like, I don't like this. I, I, I wanted to be like, I thought it was gonna be a cool radio adventure. And I, I saw early on how they were kind of treating each other. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, it's just like a corporate job. It's just you, like, you don't get like people are moving around a lot. And I'm like, nah, I don't know. And so, um, at that point in time, the internet was just kicking off. So this is probably late nineties, early 2000. And I was on a bunch of web boards talking away. Like part of my day job was actually being, uh, I was an admin for a huge web board community of like 15,000 people. And, and I would admin different things here and there and I'd help other websites out. I ended up helping out uh, a couple people getting, uh, it was an online radio station going okay. and it was like, you know, I, I mean, I forget what the name was now, but it was, they're pulling in different people and they're like, wait, you can do radio on the internet, internet radio. Oh my gosh, this is great. So, um, I started filling in and helping out. I'd be like a, a, a remote reporter for a couple of radio shows. And, uh, like I, there was a couple, um, shows out of Detroit that I inadvertently hung out with was kind of cool. One was like this, uh, one of the first, uh, radio, radio, uh, 
uh, internet radio shows that was paranormal. It was like Ghostly Talk or something with a weird name. Okay. And they one of the first uh, they they were being broadcast on terrestrial radio as well. It was a segment being sent out. So I became their New York reporter for it. And the New York reporter was cool because they were like, hey, uh, there's a random weird news. Go check it out for us. And I'd report on it. And they would pay me money. They, I mean, not a lot, but it'd be like enough gas money to get back. And sure. for a guy in his early 20s, good enough for me. You know, there's like, I get a phone call. I was like, there's someone saw a Bigfoot up in Adirondacks. Go check it out. I'm like, gone. Sure. I would hop in the car and just dash away. And my vehicle at the time, I had a pickup truck that had the back of the truck was like a sleeping bed. It had drawers. I, I could live in the back of my truck for a week. No problem. I even had food in there. Cause I would just like, go on camping trips sporadically. So I had a, a mo I could just go from work at the time, work for a design studio and hop in my car and drive someplace and be there within a couple hours and just crash there for the night, record, meet people, whatever I need to do. And I was having a blast. I started doing more shows and I started doing more segments. And uh, so the mind of Magnus is my radio show I have done. And the name came about thanks to one of the web boards I was on. Some guy, some guy gave me a section of his web board and like, I like this. This is a cool idea. And he, he named it. He's like, oh, you like the mind of Magnus. I want to see what the mind's coming out. So I kind of adopted that name. Gotcha. Um, and then uh, so I started realizing that all these shows, they always needed some little extra time. So I started doing mm -hmm. these five minute like kind of news of the world no, a weird world news kind of idea like bizarre stuff i had read and i would sell these little like five minute segments to these shows and just like it was like 25 bucks uh, mind you i realized later on i met a guy he's like he sold them for like 500 no wonder they're like buy, like yeah, i totally okay. underpriced myself inadvertently not knowing this so i started getting picked up these little segments and this is probably early 2000s it was Again, podcasting is just starting to happen as I'm doing it. So I started doing these little segments of weird news, which is fun. But you have to constantly look for weird news. You're just searching for things. And I realized my favorite part of doing it is when I'd be sent to these remote locations and just be like, so who saw this giant flying bat thing? And they're like, oh, Susan over there. And I just was like, oh, that talking to Susan was the fun part of this scenario. So I, I inadvertently... I, I, I kept doing these radio stuff, but I kept pushing myself to want to be on the air talking to people. And um, uh, so I had done a couple podcasts with people. I started doing some other segments. I was, but they kept trying to put me as like the Andy Rooney guy at the end, like giving my two cents. You know, <laughs> so and that's the reason I don't eat you know wafers anymore. Like random bizarre things. I'm like, right. that's not what I want to do. I want to pick someone's brain. I want to learn something different every day and meet someone different, meet someone new. That's my goal in my life. And um, so. I, I wasn't doing my own podcast yet. Uh, and then there was a chance uh, a radio station was happening here in Rochester. It was a kind of a Rochester free radio. Yep. And um, the, the, uh, they, they, they contacted me like, listen, we love how you just talk to people. We want to have you do that on a show. You have an hour long show. If you want to do it, jump in. And actually it's funny thing. I was, the name of the show was going to be something like, uh, like around the rock or something else. And I show up the day and the guy's like, Oh no, we changed the name to mine of Magnus. We like that name. So we're using that name. I was like, <laughs> Okay. So uh, I ended up, and it, I was the very first show. I was a kickoff show for the radio station. And my show, oddly enough, was the, the highest rated one on their station. Not that there was a lot. I'm not saying there's like, this is like millions of people listen, but sure. I still had the highest number out of that. So that's, I'll take that as a win. So uh, I just started having every Monday night, I had to find someone to come in and talk with me and share their stories. And there's not a theme. I don't like have like, I only talk to artists. I only talk to truck drivers. I only talk to, I'm like, Tell me your story. And that's how it started. And so, I did, excuse me, for years, I was just sitting and it, like microphone, live mic, like eight, eight second delay at best sometimes. And I would just bring people in and want to talk with them. And I just, 
I, I just it hooked me like I, I having a chance to sit down with a microphone in front of people. And it was it, I mean, it's always been a passion of mine, but be able to do it now that podcasting is happening, now everything else. It just kept growing that way. So it that's how it started way back in the day doing Internet radio, turning into real terrestrial radio. And then I'm the, I'm the only guy going in reverse. I'm the only guy going from radio to podcast because I like podcasts better because right. I like swearing. So I like to be able to say <laughs> every once in a while, not like, gosh, darn, that was scary. It was like, right. motherfucker, do you see that giant monster in the corner? Like, I want people to give me their 100 percent of the story, not edit. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, so. yeah. 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 That raw yeah, format, really. Oh my god, raw format. Because someone's someone's in the mode and yep. telling their story. I don't want to have to feel like they have to edit themselves. Like yep. there is something about a story where you can see people reliving it. Where like I and I know that like I had the random stories. I had my Halloween stories were my my best. I like every year I would pick everyone telling me their best ghost story, something else. And there's some people that are like analytical. They're like, I don't believe in ghosts, but this is the time I saw the ghost. And you're like. <laughs> You know, and, and that guy is so excited about a story because he's got to tell it. But and he's literally you can see him. He's like processing it. And he's like, oh, man, and I was fucking scared. And like in the radio, he's like, oh, hit the button. And then he gets all nervous. And he's like, oh, I shouldn't. And you just watch the moment where they have to, like, just, edit themselves. I got to you have to pull it back for a second. And the, the, the moment's gone. Yep. And no. Oh, my God. Now that we're in the podcasting world, I have I've enjoyed like I've only done a handful of podcasts now that my radio show ended. But I'm going to do more. But like I enjoy being on other people's podcasts. I want to like let them ha- do all the hustle, get everything going. I want to show up and meet people that way. <laughs> gotcha. But dude, the 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 podcasting world, I have learned the truth, like the true story, which I never could get in the radio station. I mean, radio station, you have you have an hour to do it. OK, thanks for coming in. And like you were at, you and I were saying the best part of the conversation is about an hour and 20 minutes after the thing starts. Oh, 100%. So, Oh my God! The the last hour is like, okay, thanks for coming in. Oh, and here's the rest of the story. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> where uh, where does that? I mean, so obviously growing up, you probably were impacted by talk radio. In, in yeah, because I, I grew up in the country. Yeah, I grew up in the middle of nowhere. I didn't have I didn't have cable. I didn't have television. I mean, I had like five channels, and it was fine. Uh, but I'm a night owl. So if you're a night owl, you do not have a lot of options in the rural uh, Western New York area. You have a couple of pop you know, stations that play the same twelve songs over and over again. And then you'd find these other ones, like there'd be like um, like coast to coast AM, that sort of stuff. Yep. Like we're just a guy talking away, being like, you know, Art Bell, like, okay, now we're here talking about the aliens coming. I'm like, and again, I don't believe in a lot of these things I'm hearing, but to hear a person tell a story, oh my god, that was awesome, you know. And well, I, to hear someone too just be able to fill up four hours worth of time is outrageous. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, yeah. you're talking about uh, uh, being a night owl. For me, growing up, it was Loveline with uh, Adam Carolla. Oh yeah! And Dr. Oh Drew. my God, Adam Carolla, Doctor Drew. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, I love that. Dude, I learned so much, and Doctor Drew still does that too. Like he's a talented man. My God. He, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's everywhere now. But then I didn't know him from anything else. I just knew Adam Carolla from the Man Show. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. was flipping through the radio one night, and they were just on, and I just knew they would be on, and they were on like Monday to Friday every single night mm-hmm. at like eleven o'clock. Yeah, unfortunately, sure. uh, a lot of sex education, right from from them. Yeah, yeah. I, I shouldn't say no. unfortunately; so, it's probably pretty. No, unfortunately, good. that's I, I, I am a better person because of Doctor Drew. I'm not gonna lie. I here's another one, exa- another person, and, and I love the concept of having a smart person and a, a quick witted comedian. Doctor Drew is a very intelligent man, but having a person that can like diffuse a moment when you can clearly see a person, a caller is having a moment trying to figure something out. Adam Kroeller was good enough that he could make a joke enough that they would kind of laugh, and Doctor Drew would step in, and be like, "And here's the reason," and would suddenly like give the logical understanding why or what's going on here. And, but still in a playful wasn't dry like uh, that he he's a th- that probably is a great reason i love doing a show with someone like matt who we had mentioned before matt austin yep. he yep. is the, the beer review uh, review journal yep. he does anomaly podcast and that sort of stuff um 
having someone else on the show uh, allowed for a dynamic that I I realized early on. Like that's I mean I love doing a podcast myself, but I want to be with someone and want to talk with someone. And, and like like I said, the Drew and uh, uh, Adam Carolla that was that was solid. I mean that's another one that I probably really enjoyed too. So that was thanks for the, one of the best ones for me ever. And, and oh my gosh, yeah. Keeping going with that, what what was it for you? I mean, you coming from more of a country background, more, you know, a, your farmhand, obviously. Um, mm. What is it then eventually that got you from being the quiet, larger guy who's a farmhand growing up to, you know, I mean, I'll say to what people what say now. about me. Don't, you know, I never shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you have to warn people now. Uh, so what it was, uh, my original, when I was a kid, I was a, I was a, always a tall kid. I was the biggest kid in my class, but I was very much like, uh, you know, that cartoon recess, you know, the big quiet buddy in the background, yep, yep. very much like me. I was, uh, but listen to me talk. Now I talk fast. I kind of stumble over things. I'm very excitable. When I was younger, I talked even faster. So I got made fun of, I, I and I was like, and I, you know, grew up in a, as a, in a like the a rural school, my class is 50 kids. You know what I mean? So when I was aged, when I was like second or third grade, I got made fun of for talking weird. So up until 12th grade, I was kept myself quiet because I didn't want to be made fun of. Not that I probably was going to be, but I was very much uh, uh, a quiet kid. And, but I, I lo- I'm a, I love learning. I love talking to people. I love a very curious, but being out in the country, I wasn't, I, I wasn't able to expand who I was. I was kind of set as a character. And so fast forward, I go to a, a quick kind of like like drive through college, I call it. Like I went to like a Bryant Stratton sort of college. I actually went to Bryant Stratton. Um, and I just said, I want like, I wanted to get something quick. I want to get out. Of, I, I want to get out of the country. So I found the fastest way to get out of school was a trade school. So I jump into a trade school, and the day the, when I first show up, there is an interpersonal development class, and no one knows me there. And I'm hanging out, and I'm just kind of like, I make crack, crack a couple jokes, and suddenly the person next to me started. They kind of laughed, and we're hanging out. And I was, I realized I could instantly not be the person I was for the past you know, 16, 17 years because it was all new. And I was sitting there not kind of thinking about it. And the teacher um, called me, called like, okay, we're dividing groups up. So we're going to find the outgoing charismatic people and put them all together. And she pointed at me and I was like, I literally turned behind me. I'm like, you're not talking about me. Cause I'm, I'm the quiet one in high school. So I'm like, Oh wait, no, I'm actually talkative, having a blast. And people were legit enjoying what I was saying. And I suddenly kind of realized I'm like, oh, I don't have to be the quiet person out there. And at the same time, I'm going from a rural country to the city, the city of Rochester, you know what I mean? A sure, quote, sure. Quote, air, air quote, city of Rochester. It's a very small city, but still a city nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Suddenly I'm surrounded by people and I, I enjoy people and I, I enjoy all of a sudden I'm meeting new people and they're telling me the random stories. And I was just like, I wasn't starved for attention, but I was clearly a person that was missing out on a diversity that I never encountered. Like I, you know, I had a very uh, like leave to beaver sort of upbringing. Like my parents are still married. They're very awesome people, but they're like kind of quiet. You know, there's like and suddenly I find myself in a universe where I get to talk to people, interact with people, if I hear their stories and people want to tell their stories. So it wasn't much long. I mean, I went from uh, like I got hired within three months of me going to college. I got hired by one of my instructors. They liked me so much. They're like, dude, you want to work for me? I was like, yeah, sure. My God. So I started working for a thing and I had like I had a good design job and I had time. And I, that's why I started working with uh, like going to the, the radio station and volunteering time. Like I had no problem getting coffee because I could hang out and watch someone like do stuff and and you know the guys on the air and like put the big red on the air every time it's, it's funny i was a dork every time that big on the air sign came on i was like oh he's on the air like i was excited about it i'm like oh, i'm a dork jesus christ this is horrible <laughs> and but I, the change was i moved to an area that had more people and my the nature of me who wants to learn more about people it just it was the the exact thing to stoke that fire and i never let it stop 
I, and I also, I realized, uh, People like I talk fast and if people can't keep up with me, I mean, like I tell people I talk fast, but I'm worth it. If you hang on the conversation, you'll enjoy the conversation. You just got to go along with me on the ride. So and I've learned like I've actually slowed down a bit as I gotten older. But uh, I'm a person that I had a friend of mine once. He was like I was talking to one of my podcasts I had the fast talker on there. Mm -hmm. And the guy messaged me is like, I love the show, but I had to put the show at 0.5 speed to be at my level. I was like, I understand because I put everyone else's podcast at 1.5 speed. That's how I listen to my my podcast. Everything I listen to is at 1.5 speed. Not that I. I'm saying this is not that somehow like when I say this, people think like, oh, you're trying to say you're smarter. I'm like, no, no, I'm just fast. Like there's no intellectual aspect of listening and talking fast. It's just like my RPMs are just higher. It's so it's hard to do uh, that, too, because that I mean, I do actually the same thing, believe it or not. But when I do that, when I, oh, I believe it, read. Mm-hmm. Nope, not, oh, not working. No. It doesn't work. Yeah, my, my 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 reading speed. I'm a slow reader, but I'm a fast talker, and I, I I'm exact same way. Like I I'll reread a sentence three times to kind of process it and read it and digest it. But if if someone's talking to me, oh my god. Side note: during my during this t- time of my life, I've moved moved to the south twice and moved back very quickly. Like I lived in Memphis for what? like literally two weeks. Okay, like, Memphis. Where else? Memphis. Uh, uh, Memphis. I was looking down to Florida too, so I went down. Okay. Like I looked down there because I, I have family down there, and they kept like, "Come on down, we'll find you a job." I went down there and being like, oh, "I'm way too fast." Like you're, you're not from around here. Memphis was the worst. I mean, like <laughs> I love Memphis, but if you go outside of Memphis, like I was staying kind of near college town, so it's all kind of mixed and match. I went outside of Memphis, and everyone there is so slow talking, like so. And I'm like, "Finish the sentence, man. Finish the sentence. Finish the sentence. You can get there." Oh God, I'm like, I gotta go. It's like they would make me say things because it sounded funny. And then I would ask them to say the same sentence because they had such a horrible accent. Like like outside of Tennessee, rural Tennessee has an accent that is impressive in the way of being like, what? My yeah. God. Yeah. I was so, in yeah, and out yeah. of Texas for almost five years. So oh, anytime my God, you Texas. go outside of post, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. You've got that long draw, that slower <sighs> speed. It's I, and know, it is what it is. Yep. And it's like, nope, I got shit to do. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. You get it. Few people get that. Be like, I got to go, man. I'm like, I, I'm I'm glad to hang out. But like five minutes to say hello is a lot. You know, <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah, I, I have avoid Texas for the exact same reason. But, I had a, a, but they welcome you with open arms. I mean, like when I got invited into I went to basic training and I had a guy that I mm-hmm. bunked with. Super nice guy. I went over mm-hmm. to his parents place for Christmas the nicest people on the freaking planet oh yeah there's nothing negative about it <laughs> they, they thought it was a novelty like this guy is so he's a new yorker he's so fast sounded listen to this fucking guy ha ha you know and <laughs> and like i said i would go out uh my friend uh uh tamara tamara and where i lived in memphis like i went down i visited friends of mine i, I had this girl i was kind of hanging out with she went down to college down there long story short i went down to visit her and i did like she was just doing her own thing I, and i made friends with all these people in Memphis. Like I, she picked me up from the airport and then I didn't see her until she dropped me off the airport. I was like, it was just kind of go like, I, I sensed that we landed. I'm like, you know what? It was kind of like an online thing. Like, and we're like just talking as so we showed up and like, yeah, this isn't going to work out. We instantly knew it. And I'm like, but don't worry about me. I'll find my own thing. So I made friends with all these people in Memphis and Memphis is a gorgeous city. Same thing outside of town. Like I got invited to like friends, families, like, listen, we're going to, you know, uh, back home to have dinner with my, my, her, her dad was a pastor. Oh my God. Her dad was a, a Southern Baptist pastor, like full on, like intense sort of like mm-hmm. hand cheering. And I love that. Like I'm not religious in the slightest, but to experience other people's lives sure. is, is, is amazing. How has that but, translated into your artwork? How does that, I mean, as far as talking to people, as far as, you know, your creativity and, and your inspiration, where does the, that, that my artwork is because of that. 
my artwork is because how I learned to art do artwork is by hanging out with other artists. I'm not like, and that's, I'm a hundred percent. If I didn't socialize, I would not be where I'm in right now. Um, I was doodling at best and, and, and nothing against it. Like my original earlier drawings were just fun drawings. Um, I was seeing this girl years and years back and I would send a drawing to her. She was going to school. She was away. She was getting a master's degree. So she was a different city. And every day I would send her a drawing on a postcard, just like a sketch. So I was practicing. Like it didn't really matter because I didn't, I wasn't doing art. It was just me doing a drawing, sending it out. And this is when Instagram just started going on. So I just had a content or sent a picture and, um, I wasn't thinking about it, but most of my feed was my doodles. Like, and I'd have pictures of me, my dog and whatever it was going on there. Sure. And, um, but, uh, I would hang out and I just suddenly met other, like other artists in town. And I got asked to be in this group called the dudes night out. And it was this, and I, and they like, Hey, we're going to do some art, come out and hang out with us. Um, and so I show up at a, I show up at a, uh, this and the table and every single person at this table are artists that I know in Russia that are like artists, like not me, I'm a doodler. And they're like, okay, we're putting art together. So I'm pulling all these cool artists in Rochester. I'm like, so why am I here? Like, you know, and the exact same day or so, or within that, that week or so I get asked, uh, so I, I get asked to be in an art group with the guys. And like I said, I can draw, I can do like pen and ink. Mm-hmm. I can do like pencil drawings. Like I'm not incapable of drawing, but I'm not anything I would call any sort of artist. Um, and the exact same week, uh, there's an uh, Eric Lehman had a uh, he's an art gallery owner in Rochester. He used to have a show uh, gallery called 1975 Gallery, and he walks up to me. He's like, "Hey, dude, I'm having an art show. I want you to be in it." And I turn around behind me. I'm being like, "Again, like, wait, me?" And he's like, "Yeah, I see your drawings all the time. Do you want to be in an art show with me? We're doing a Halloween show or whatever the theme it was." Um, no, it was, it was had it been sometime in the springtime because it was like snowed out. Um, so the the very first the my my very first art show. I had two art shows the same day. Like literally I've never had any art show. And the very first time I do an art show is the same day as both openings are on the same day for this thing. And so I'm hanging out with these artists and I'm, I'm, just, I'm enjoying it. Like I have some cool stuff on the wall. I, I definitely struck I, I, like everyone else had a nice ease of doing things. Me was like, this was a month of me fucking trying to get like, again, I don't want to be the shittiest guy on the wall. I want to be the person that's not the like, look around and be like, okay, I'm the worst one here. So it raises the bar. Well, the Dudes Night Out is a great group of just very talented guys who are just, and girls, dude was non-gender specific. And it was just awesome people hanging out, doing stuff. And I'd be drawing, and we'd hang out, we'd go drinking at a bar. We did a show every month. Like every month for almost two or three years, we had a new show up at different bars. So I'm hanging out, and how I learned to paint is literally by sitting next to an artist and talking with him. As we're, as we're like, tell, like, as he's telling his story about his life, I'm watching the person like use a paintbrush that way, uh, use a watercolor brush this way, different techniques. And I'm staring at him like, that's how you do it? So literally, it is a direct correlation between my ability to talk to people and my ability to have my own design studio now. If I did not talk to people and meet new people and learn new things every day, hanging out with different artists, I would, I have no idea where I'd be right now, but my studio is thanks to my ability to socialize, interact, interview in a sort of, sort of weird way. Um, but yeah, so it is a direct 100% correlation. Like, and I always tell people it's thanks to being around other artists that my skill set is where it's at. So So would you say that no matter what it is you want to do, whether it's art, whether it's podcasting, whether it's, I don't care what it is. Would you say Mm -hmm. that trying to find a community is one of the most important things you can do to support whatever it is that you're trying to do? For me, it is. I know some right. people that are very like they they want to take their knowledge and go into a room and refine it, and then show up with the knowledge base. Like um, my my brother is a person that I think you can give him information, and then he'll he'll squirrel away, and then come out and impress you with a skill set. But me, I don't need to have um, 
I find that to be something that he wants to have himself be shown. I want to learn how to do things. Mm-hmm. And I, how I have learned is by uh, throughout my whole life, uh, I have, I've showed up for places and just volunteered my time for two weeks to learn how to do something. Like, um, like I, I, I'm big enough. I can carry things. I can at least carry boxes around for you. So I have had like, that's a, that, that, um, the, uh, like doing the radio station, mm-hmm. I just showed up, I showed up and I'm like, listen, I, I don't need to be paid. You need to get coffee. I'll get coffee. And those I, I learned by being somewhat of a, uh, finding a master level person and just helping them out and then seeing if I like it. Like I have learned more from being in a person's studio for a month and just, helping them out than I ever would have done for a semester of college. So, um, but I think finding a community, uh, is nice. I mean, not only do you have a supportive community, you have someone, if you find a good community and and I say a community in the sense that you sense you're part of it, Mm -hmm. you can be a voice in there. And also you trust the voices that are talking to you as well, because I, I was critiqued by friends. Like if you're by yourself, you're a very, it's a machine that's just by itself. You can't, you can't study the machine if you're inside the machine. You know what I mean? You can't get an outside perspective. So a community offers a voice being like, Hey, if you add a blue color here, it pops better. Hey, if you use this, like it doesn't have to be like a massive critique, like this fails, you know, art on the wall, but hang a community allows me to learn from others. Uh, learn quicker from others because like I said I, I don't want to be the worst guy on the wall so I'll definitely challenge myself it makes me it raises the bar that I have to be above every time mm-hmm. so I personally say if you can find your community you can find a community it doesn't have to be your community just find a community that like accepts you and brings you in you will leapfrog further than you ever th- like and I'm a person that fully believes that if you put enough energy into something like I don't think that like barring like I'm not probably good with accounting because it's just monotonous, but like sure. given enough information and data and being around there, like you can pick up a skill set. I, I, I could anyone can paint. I can teach, teach anyone how to paint a happy sunset, you know, but it's uh, it's like there's certain skills that being around in a community, um, it, 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 the refinement, the, the support, but like, the, the, like there's something about the social monkey that is me that finds uh, a stronger abilities after being in a community like i'm just stronger for it so is that how you find yourself on all sorts of random projects like for example who would jesus date as a disciple oh my god the movies yeah <laughs> imdb yeah i've actually got, I, I got to add some other movies on there yeah oh, do that's you? another okay. one that's the only oh, one yeah, that I've, was on there right now dude i want to add more I, I i helped co-direct a movie two years ago uh, a little short film um uh and i bet i actually i i made some monsters for movies too so how that happened so who would jesus date is uh, a short film that uh my friend uh uh i'm drawing like her name right now she's an awesome person i can't think of her name the director there um she uh she messaged me she's like hey do you want to be a disciple I was like, yes. I mean, if you ever ask that question, the answer is always yes to it. And because they just had found the uh, there was a scroll in the Dead Sea Scrolls that talked about the um, uh, the wife of Jesus being Mary or something else. Mm-hmm. And then so uh, uh, Needy, that's her name was Needy. Uh, she goes uh, like, so what's if if Jesus married, what is dating of Jesus like? So she puts this whole short story of Jesus going home to meet Mary's dad and this whole dating profile and all and she the whole premise was the last scene is the last supper is actually the uh, the bachelor party. So you have to be like yes. you have to be oh my god and it is like I, I should show you there's there's a photo of the whole like the last supper scene we're like all drinking and we all freeze frame in the exact right pose. It is it's a piece of art. Just the it's- last scene of this is oh it my at God. The, yeah, it's, it's at the end of the actual film. You guys pause for at, just yeah. a split second, and it's it's yeah. almost spot on. Dude, and that was the first take. Like it is spot on first take. Really? We could do another one. Like we'll try it. We could do it again. But the first one is the first take. My God, yeah. So 
That's it. Like, if you approach me like, hey, I have a zany idea. Yes. Like, uh, I, I have done the randomest things because I am enjoying myself. Like, sometimes I tell people, I think I'm retired. I don't know if I'm, like, legit working because some of these jobs I'm working on, I'm like, I'm just enjoying myself. But, yeah, that's another one. Like, I had forgotten about that. That oh, one my was God. funny yeah. because I, I actually watched it the other day to see if I could No shit. It. Really? I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's on YouTube, but. Oh, I was shit, watching awesome. it, and uh, the the part where Jesus's potential wife here she insinuates that she was dating Buddha at one point, and like other <laughs> yeah. religious oh God, figures yeah. is is pretty hilarious. Dude, it, it was a fun. Like, I, I tell people like if I'm if I'm gonna get into hell for something, I guess I get into hell for that. At least it's a fun story. <laughs> oh my gosh! But, oh my god, you, you saw the movie, not just look, look it up on IMDb. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found it so, the whole time. I'm like, where is he? Where is he? Oh, at the very I mean, end. I'm, good, uh, where is he? Where is he? <laughs> Oh my God! I'm, it's at the end. I'm a and uh, yeah, at the very end, I'm like looking at Jesus. Uh, I forget the characters, the 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 patron. So if you're looking at the center of Jesus, looking at thing, I'm to the right and two yes. over. I'm, yep. Yeah, yeah. I think so at I one like point you point. were juggling apples, maybe. Oh yeah, I think so. Because was it you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was juggling apples. I was doing a bunch of yeah. I think I was juggling apples because I was sitting there and they're like, "Can you do that again?" I'm like, "Yeah, I can juggle apples." I think they like, made it into the into the. Yeah. The oh short. my God! There was so much. We we're just all drunk in a garage, just filming. Like, okay, this is just go nuts, guys. So like, we're doing like um uh uh, uh like beer pong with grapes and wine glasses, you know, like <laughs> and they're like just doing randomest shit. Oh my God! But that was it. She approached me. Approached me the right way. I'll say yes to just about anything. So that's a dangerous thing to say out loud. <laughs> I know. As soon as I said it out loud, but again, it's my choice. I can say yeah, no yeah. to things. Like yeah, that's yeah. a. But I'd much rather uh, um, get an option given. I'd much rather if I'm coming to a, a, a choice in my life, I will choose the one that gives me the best story. Mm. Like, and that's it's a it's a it's how I kind of my yes like my choose your own adventure pages. Yeah. Like I can play a safety, and sometimes I do. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes it'd be like, hey, do you want to travel to X and do Y? Like maybe not. But usually, what it is, if I have an option given, I'll process what is the best thing that. If I'm thinking back on this, what's my best story of my life? So I tend to choose my story, my story of my life, by the best, like interesting, anecdotal reason to choose yes to a to an answer. So, but yeah, so yeah, IMDb. I am on uh, Who Would Jesus Date? I was on a movie uh, two years ago. Now uh, it was right before COVID started. We actually had to cut it short, but it was. Uh, 10 is a numbers 10 11 no 10 12 11 is the name of it uh which is i can never remember the numbers which is horrible say for a guy who helped direct a movie <laughs> but i helped uh helped like I, I was directing it i did a site location we actually filmed it on my family farm of all things too because it was nice. gorgeous for the shot sure um and that one actually is the dr- drone footage alone is amazing this film like i say not gonna let, actors are phenomenal but uh i'm also working on stop motion uh, monsters right now i'm currently working with um a guy who's doing this little stop motion monster flick. So I'm making all these stop motion monsters, like really? very much like gremlins. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So is it uh, like, will work. Well, you, so ahead, you say gremlins, but there's, there's, is it like, um, the one I just watched one not too long ago with my kid. Um, Cujo. Oh my no, God. Not Cujo. The, the, not Cujo's Cujo. a killer dog one. Yeah. That's thinking of critters? Dog. I'm thinking of, no, not critters. Uh, Kubo. Oh, Kubo is the three strings. Yes. Like that. I okay. think that was stop motion, wasn't it? Yeah, that's stop motion. This one here, he's making everyone else's live action, and the creature is an 18 inch tall, fuzzy monster alien thing. Gotcha. So it's got a clay face and hands move around. And uh, Melvin the Devourer, his name is Melvin the Devourer. Check it out. And he wants to do a whole bunch of stuff. And the guy is just a filmer. Like he used to do film skateboarders, and he's very much like uh, like Thrasher magazine sort of vibe about him. Just good energy. And he's like, I want to make a monster. And he's and he, he was using this toy he bought from somewhere. He bought a toy from like a guy was a sculptor and it was cool um but uh the the what was happening was he's like that the toy is not your like you bought a toy from someone it's not your creature like you can't ever use this as anything else because the guy never sold the rights to the image you know what i mean 
And he was like, oh my God, you're right. It's like, can you make me a monster? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like I've never made a monster before, but usually I can't, I've never done it before, but I'll make it for you. That's how my studio kind of works. Like toss me a funny idea. I'm like, I'm not the first person inventing it. It's not a problem. I just got to figure out how to do it. So I learned how to sew, learned how to do a monster making. I'm making molds of faces. I'm making hands and stuff. And um, the, uh, the, so the, the monster movie I'm making now is uh, Will Work for Fame is the name of the studio he's working for. But it's like Melvin the Devour. It's an alien that like eats like 35 millimeter film because the guy works in a the theater. He like is a projectionist. So gotcha. very much his wheelhouse. Sure. And um, but yeah, so I'm currently working on that now. It's the reason I went to school for the uh, I'm going to school, the Stan Winston School of Creature Design, like online school, not like going to school. Sure. But like I signed up for it, but taking all the classes and. I've been using that to learn how to do more monster making. So, yeah, I, yeah. So my goal is to make more movies. I've been making movie props for a while too. Like I've been making like, I need a gun for this. I need a, a bloody hand for something. So I've been like, I, I love, I love Halloween. So I used to make monsters and costumes. So I just, the next, I've been working on my studio now is making more, more monstery things. So hopefully I'll have more IMDB credits coming up soon. So nice. Well, I, I found the one on your, uh, your portfolio here. I did find the creature design for Melvin, the devourer. This purple crazy looking Furby. Yep. Yeah, I don't know it. how to yeah, describe that thing. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it either. Yeah, he's like he's big enough to be as an action figure sort of build. It's 18 inch action figure so he can fit into action figure clothing if he wants to. Like he'll fit into like a an old school GI Joe costume. So it's you can make like, suit him up if you need to. Um <laughs> but he wants to have his little bendable stop motion thing. And I said it's still learning but he's super happy with it. Like I'm like I've never done it before. Here you go and he's like this is more than I ever thought this was going to expect. This is bigger and better than I ever thought of. I want to make more. So I'm currently working on the uh, the villain for the movie. Like it's uh, Marrow is the character's name. And he's like a, another monster fuzzy creature and stuff. So and eventually I'm making a full size kaiju one. Like I'm doing an eight foot tall monster of that. And the body frame is over there in a corner. It looks kind of scary. There's a giant pile of monsters no staring at me right now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So but yeah, life is short. That's another one. Like I I. <laughs> You know, like I said, I made a monster. Like last year, I made a monster for a movie. I also made a diorama to go in uh, the MIT Fusion Lab. Like part of my job, I made uh, an 18 foot long, three foot tall. I was with another another studio. Same same idea. I made friends with a studio who does uh, miniatures and does stuff for like um, uh, like uh, the RMSC. And he's working at the Field Museum. He does dioramas for or dioramas. I my Rochester accent has yeah, a diorama. Yeah, really sound. showing in that one. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. I, I don't know whether we can put the word rock with an A in it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but yeah, so the the dioramas we're doing, like he he did it, and I was always curious. I'm like, do I, do I want to do that? That seems like a fun thing to do. And then I went in and realized, like, no, nah, I don't. I I'd much rather make a big thing, but not micro detail, small things. Like I, you know, but that was me. I went hung out with the studio and. I now have MIT has my name on a plaque saying that we had got a chance to cool build something for a fusion lab. You know what I mean? That's so, incredible. yeah, but that's me. I, I mean, I just would like kind of, I kind of help you out for a couple of weeks. Sure. And then I got hired full time in the studio and I worked months for a couple of months last year doing a, you know, a diorama for, for MIT. So, but that's it. Like that's my, my, my year. It's hard to describe what I do because in two, in, in one year's time, I've done two different things. That's just one of many things I've done. So. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. it also makes sense why you're such a, or I shouldn't say such a, but, but you're part of Anomaly in the film festival as well. I, I have to imagine that there's yeah, so much inspiration there. Yeah, I see it. There's oh gotta gosh. be so much inspiration from that, just from, from, you know, the, the, the non-typical movies. I mean, they mm -hmm. need non-typical props and monsters, right? Oh my God. And that's, a, and I'm a film nut. Like reason why I'm on Anomaly film festival is because uh, every Wednesday night, I used to have a bad movie night for 15 years straight. Every Wednesday night, it was called Film Fail. Actually, I still have it. I, I, I don't do it. Film Fail Theater. We used to watch. And I tell people, it's like, um, 
uh, much like how a minefield says the word minefield, we're not looking for film fails. But if you find one, you were warned up front, like a minefield. Like you, you were warned up front. You look, look out for him. Like we may hit one. You've been warned. Mm-hmm. But I, I love film and I love sincere films. Like you don't have to be the best filmmaker in the world, but if you're sincerely trying to make a film, I am there. I am so there to watch. And so when Anomaly started, uh, they asked me, like, do you want to be on the film, like a board for a a film festival? I'm like, yes, my God, I want to be an Anomaly film festival because I sincerely appreciate films. Like uh, uh, I find some people have only watched the best Oscar winning films and there's nothing wrong with that. They're amazing films, but I want to watch like killer sofa, you know what I mean? Which is a real movie from Australia. Like, like I want to watch a movie that makes no sense because I appreciate sincere, weird filmmakers. And I also appreciate filmmakers like we have a budget of $5,000. Let's go for it. You know, and if you're sincerely making a film, I will watch that film. So if you, you guys if, played Birdemic? Oh, my God. I watched. Yeah, I've seen Birdemic. Yeah. <laughs> Just those animated birds is not oh moving. God. Oh, my God. Well, any sort of asylum film, those sort of ones like I used to have. Oh, my God. We'd watch. Um, so Film Fail was great. We did uh, Wednesday nights. And we used to do double features sometimes, but it got big enough that we I would do I would tweet along with it. So we pick a time like 9 p.m. We'd start a movie and we tweet along at the same time. So for years, we just had people from different cities like we had friends. I used to watch movies when they had a kid. They're like, oh, I can't watch a movie with you. I'm like, we don't have to watch at the same time. Just pop it out at 9 p.m. We're going to tweet along back and forth and we use hashtags to follow along with it. So I've had I've watched the worst and randomest movies. And it, the cool thing was it came to a point where um you have to present the movie. Why you got to watch it? Like we'd have, I'd have 15, 20 people in my house and I had a theater in my basement and I had a big screen in my, um, I had a pull down projector in my uh, upstairs as well. So we'd have the movie going in two different floors because we had too many people to fit my theater in my basement at one point. And what it was, was I wanted the person to bring the movie to me. Why I should watch it. Like this is a director and you should watch it because of these reasons, or this movie is horrible for these reasons. So it was like the closest I ever get to church. Like they'd give a presentation ahead of time. Like, if you came to one of mine, if I chose the movie, I would give panned outs. Like, okay, here's a paper. Watch it. Like, <laughs> when you see this scene start, watch the actor in blue. You're not, you're not giving anything away, but you're like, oh, shit, this is how it does. So so Anomaly Film Fest hit me as a sense of like, listen, you're a film nut. You get, and I get a chance to watch films. Like, we have to, uh, we get a lot of films sent to us every freaking week for mm-hmm. submissions. And obviously not all. So like, last year I watched 120 films that were not suggest like uh, you know we didn't we didn't accept them we, we only could accept maybe like you know 20 or 30 films out of yep. 120 so there's 100 that get cut out so i get to see films that are not gonna be released in the theater that would i would have no chance of seeing in my life and to me that speaks to me like it's a chance to watch an artist make something that like give them my time a couple of ones i couldn't make it through a couple of times being like listen i'm trying buddy <laughs> i am really trying i gotta uh, I, I i tried but like I appreciate, legit appreciate a film, uh, a, a creative person making something, anything, let alone a film, because film has so many working parts. I mean, like, like a couple projects I looked at, like this movie, like this movie was made and they had, had a catering involved like that. That's how much they put into this. You know what I mean? Right, so, right. But, oh, my God, an anomaly offers a voice for films that I don't think would ever find a place like a couple of movies. We've had an anomaly. We're very much an anomaly film festival. Like it, it's like uh this is not going to get a, a, this is not going to end up at like Sundance. This is not going to end up in anything else, mm-hmm. but it is a gem of a film and you should watch this because we think it is something like there's, there's a worthiness, little spark to it. 
And anomaly is that like, I, I cannot, like I said, I'm probably wearing an anomaly shirt right now. You know, I, I talk about like anomaly. If I'm out and about talking about film, I'll bring up anomaly film fest within the first two seconds. You know what I mean? Like, Oh my God, like films, anomaly film fest, because we have found these gems of films that I would have never known. And I, I, I try to find unusual films. Like I follow like on Reddit has obscure media and like random movies. You're ne- like, there's a bunch of subreddits on Reddit that mm. are cool, random films you would never see. And even these things, I would never, these are brand new too. These are out this year. So I can see cool tech or how Snapchat is suddenly making a, a, a comeback into films. You know what I mean? Or there's a lot of random stuff that's happening in there that I don't know. That anomaly is uh, a wondrous thing that, especially for Rochester, which is, we're a film like uh, a city. Like we are, we take weird heavy duty pride in movies. Thanks to George Eastman. Thanks to all the film festivals around here, RIT and stuff. Yep. So like, I always get like Rochester is to film like Nashville is to like, I know Hollywood has movies, everything else, but there is a, uh, a sincerity to movies in Rochester that is um, not big sweeping blockbuster films. Like you may have seen this one, but here's an awesome film. Like Rochester has a very heavy duty class culture uh, films that is put in all the right ways. Not like not overly snooty it's like but we appreciate film here so yeah and it's international too i mean i remember growing up here going to the little theater and watching a french film for the first time being like oh you can watch films in other languages it translates so i same thing i remember going from the i I came up uh uh, from like my family family farm not too far away it's like 45 minutes south of here but like my mom going to the city was henrietta you know what i mean the city the city was the like that was not the city so I was like 18, 17, 18. I'm like, I'm going to watch a movie at the little theaters, hop in the car, figure out how to get there. Of course, I drove all the wrong ways. Now I, I look back how I got there and be like, what a winding path to get to downtown. And I, I show up and it was uh, a film that was it's a local filmmaker. Um, I think it was Drivers Wanted. And the guy's uh, uh, his name is right now. But it was being it was a local filmmaker showing a film in the little theater. And it was like, wait, local people making movies? I was still like a teenager, not understanding like it's not just big Hollywood stuff. So I show up at a little theater and watch a film. The filmmaker's there. The cast is there. People that are like in the scene behind me is the scene up there. I'm like, what a weird, weird thing. So I come back the next week to a little, like not knowing what's there. I show up again. And again, it was like a foreign film. It was like this, you know, uh, it wasn't French, but it was some sub- subtitle piece. And it was like an action film. And I was sitting there. It was just like, like blown away. Like it's not the Fox news after school afternoon movie. It wasn't yep, the, yep. you know, the movie I saw in the big theater. It was something I would never encountered at all. So I all of a sudden was there. Suddenly I'm at the Dryden theater for their, like, then like, I'm like looking around suddenly realizing what movies can be like. And I was like, Oh my gosh, but that's it. The little theater, little theater has opened my eyes to so many more, so many things in my lifetime. So the oh, depth of art too, I feel like is missed upon a lot of people because you do to your point, right? You have Hollywood. Okay, cool. You've got your major blockbuster films, et cetera, et cetera. There's mm-hmm. such a subculture and not just in movies, but in in painting and sculpture and music and in so many different forms of art that people just it just if you just peel the page back just a little just go a little deeper there's so Mm -hmm. much there thanks to the internet i gotta say you can find your home where you're gonna be uh for good or for worse too sometimes i've watched some artists that have uh fallen down to like that niche rabbit hole like one person like i have a friend of mine who loves um uh my little pony and he does like oh, horror movie boy. stuff. And suddenly his like, he's like, oh, I'm going to have My Little Pony, uh, Cthulian Cthul- horror, Eldritch, Eldritch horror, like 
uh, thing and it only shares that and his all his artwork is that I mean kudos he enjoys it uh, but I was like back up a little bit join us in the other side of the world don't go so that's a so super down the rabbit hole. niche spot right there <laughs> you would think so there's 15,000 people on this board he's he sells uh, like uh, he, he sells commission work he comes doing commission work because he's a very talented illustrator and a painter too he does paintings um, but like I but that's a cool thing the network there's a home for you somehow somewhere on this um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's such a. But that's it. Like, like there is something you enjoy. There is a community that will enjoy like whatever you're working on right now, and like, it's just magical. How so. has, if I may, to kind you of change gears a little bit here, please do with your artwork and with your work that you've been doing over the last few years. How has it been impacted by the current political climate? Because to be fair, you've got quite a few tweets. You know, for lack of a better word, shitting on some people. <laughs> Oh, I try not to do that. I'm sorry if I, 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 I but I, well, I'm vocal so, more than I ever did. So let me, let me, let me rephrase that. Then, when I say shitting on people, I mean particular uh, political. Oh, uh, I, <laughs> I got you. Okay, good. I make sure I'm not to be too negative to people. No, per, like, no, no, no. no. I, okay, good, good, good. Very directed. I'm always, the way, that yeah, you very directed because I, I've become much more political than I ever was before. I gotta say, my in the past four years alone, like I, I'm not a fan of Trump. I, I, this is the thing. I, I like Back to the Future. I'm a Back to the Future fan. When you use a character for the villain as the model, Biff Tannen in the Back to the Future 2 is based on Donald Trump. So like I became a very vocal person because I like we grew up in New York State. You you've listened to Trump screw people over for years and years. And suddenly I was watching people like fall for a cult minded like like that sort of thing. And I've become much more vocal because I think you kind of I think I have to like uh, um, uh, my art has changed. It could be much more. I'm much more. Uh, more likely to do a political cartoon and make a statement. Like I did a, a, a Mojo Trump, I call it. One of my favorite pieces I did last year was um, like, so I'm an X-Men nut. I love X-Men because I love a big, like a team, like again, team sport. I love, I don't need to have Batman fighting himself. I want 20 people doing crazy things, just all fighting random stuff. So I've been an X-Men fan forever. And uh, suddenly in Mojo character, Mojo enemy is um, he's from the Mojo verse. Mm-hmm. He brandishes things. He's very much in my mind, a very Donald Trump like villain, like B list kind of random things. So I just merged them together in this. I'd had to draw it. I just had to get out of my head a Mojo Trump. And so I did that and I got them printed out big. I sent stickers out. And I think my art I've had. Um, OK, here, here's the thing. When, when I had my Instagram before 20, before. Hmm. Probably before the, uh, the Donald Trump got elected, I had almost 20,000 followers. Probably two years ago, I had 20,000 followers. And I, I'm fine. I, I'm, I, I like being followers. That's nice. Sure. But um, I started posting and being very vocal about how things were not being done right. And like, mm-hmm. this is not this is nothing. And I got so much hate mail. Like I had gotten so like I've lost I lost half my followers. I'm down to like 9000 something in there. But here's the random thing is. It didn't bother me. I thought it would tear me up inside having like all these hate mail. But it was like I posted a comment. I did a draw. I think a couple down over the years just because I just didn't need to have that much hate mail coming at me. But sure. like there's a couple of things they're happening being like this is this is a, a like a rude thing to you know like children in cages. I make a comment about that. And people are like, oh, man, just stick to being um, what they call me. Uh, stick to being Mr. Rogers and just painting pretty pictures. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, first off, that's Bob Ross. Thank you, buddy, for not getting the same, <laughs> you know, you know, the PBS character. Right. But my i got much less nervous sharing my opinion when i think it is something that is really like um i I, i'm i'm very compassionate i try to be caring to others but when i see someone who is uh uh, just like kind of like vile or just not a 
like, when I, I keep, I'll say Trump just for any, uh, like, I'm not a big fan of Trump. I'm not a big fan of uh, uh, Cruz or Mitch uh, McConnell. I'll say three people that I really like the rest of the people, whatever, I I can ignore those three people have the power to change and do good things and they don't. So to me, watching someone who has the ability to make a sincere difference in a, a country and then just being very greedy with whatever they have going on and just like self self-centered hurts me. Like I, I find it, it's like not how, like I said, I'm not religious. I, I'm, I'm, but if I feel like I'm, I'm like uh, quoting or saying like uh, just general, the general nice biblical, like biblical things, like just don't be an asshole to people. You know what I mean? Like, sure. It, it, and I realized it wasn't happening. I'm like, I'm going to be vocal. And I got all this random hate mail. I got all this stuff, but it was like people arguing like, they were mad at me because I was talk, complaining about children being like taken away from their parents and in cages. I was like, you're arguing for this? Well, no, I'm not arguing for this, but you shouldn't be talking about it. I'm like, someone's got to talk about it. Like, I, I, it, it needs to be said. Like, uh, uh, I, I love history. I love facts. The more you learn about history, the more you realize you have to be cautious. You have to be vocal. You have to like, you know. I know I'm like, you know, we're not in a state where you have like being silenced. I think also I'm a big white guy. Like if you need to have a big white guy on your side, I think sometimes like I I can walk up to a cop (laughs) and not feel too nervous. But like so I I, I tell people like I I think it is in like my best interest to make sure the world is good. Like if if I can make better ripples in that and I find I became vocal in the past past couple of years because I just seem like that like um someone had to like and this is i i don't know like it, i'm less nervous please ask more questions can i even know i don't even know how to how to answer properly no no what, it's uh, okay it because one of the things that i find interesting about it is that when you look at whether no matter what side you're on well mm-hmm. i should take that back a little bit mm-hmm. there's a lot more people on the right side that i see that are so straight to like here are my talking points and i will ignore everything else yep. and on the left you know, and I would I would argue that you're probably a bit more left than you are right. Is that a fair? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's fair. That's fair. People like you on the left tend to be much more compassionate towards those type of voices. But at some point, and that's what it feels like, kind of happened to you because on your Mind of Magnus show, you were more than willing to talk to anybody about anything, mm-hmm. and let's go, let's have a conversation. Whereas the the climate of what whether it's society or politics just seems to have that that wave kind of finally crested over, and you're like, all right, you know what? This is just becoming outrageous. That's kind of what but, it seemed like it was. Very true. And I feel bad because I would gladly have a conversation with someone. Like I've had arguments on Twitter. Like I, and it's funny. I would I save certain tweets where someone realizes they're like, "Oh my god, you're just asking questions." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm asking questions. I want to know why you're thinking this." I'm I'm not trying to vocalize. The trouble is, like you said, there's a bunch of people that I get their talking points, and they are the loud ones, and they over they. There's like there's broadcast over the people that are not that far over. So I found myself being a person that can I gladly jump over like I can walk across an aisle and say hi to someone. Mm-hmm. I gladly listen to someone. I gladly communicate with someone. I there's actually some Republican talking points that I fully agree with. I can't think of any right now off my hand. But like, I, but I'm not Democrat either. Like I'm not a person. I think all the team sport, like the tribalistic view, is is not a conversation. They're just all trying to get. You know, that is not how I, I work, but like you said, my radio show, I want to bring someone on. I'll gladly talk to a, a person who is, um, you know, whatever differing views from me mm-hmm. is not something that's an end of a conversation to me. The ability to not have a communication and have a conversation is a t- is where I got And That's the trouble with social media. Everyone's a blurb. Everyone sends 140 characters, 280 characters, whatever it is now. Um, so I found myself on Twitter having to be short with people and I don't like that, but 
I'll have a like I'll have a diatribe back and forth, back and forth with people. And eventually someone realizes I'm not being an asshole. I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to shoot you down, but I need to understand where you're coming from in this. Tell me. Understand like help me understand why you're thinking this way. Because if you can convince me, awesome. You're probably not, but the I I've had to be more vocal because I think there's a lot of people that have been unfortunately programmed with the same 12 talking points. And it is tough to deal with the same people. And this is my this is my 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 thought in, in like the Republican versus Democrat. Republicans will take three ideas, lump together and do a team like they can join forces of a loose tangent. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, you agree with this and this and this. We're buddies. We're going to fight to the end. Yep. Democratic finds. I've always find like you don't believe my one flavor enough. That you, I, I don't want to follow you. So there's a lot of division yes. happening in Democratic side. I always feel like you have to be very much past all these tests to be in their very small club. Like, yeah. The, the the guys on the other team joined over like they just don't like abortion. They they may not agree with anything else. They just don't agree with that, you know, or they don't agree with X, Y, or Z. So they take minimalist points and kind of lump together. So I found that I could try to talk and try to do something. I'll get I'll get like you know I may not be enough for a Democratic, but I can also be not enough for the Republican. So I find myself in that realm of like conversing back and forth. So it's it's just rough. Like being like I'm much more political than I ever was. I've done political cartoons, which I'm very happy with. Like I've, um, I've actually been trying to do. I've been submitting uh, comics to like, uh, like you know, political cartoon comics to places. And one of these days, I may show up when something comes up that way. But yeah. I find myself. Um, life is short. I have a and I have a girlfriend that's also very vocal. Like she's a person that when she sees something not being done right. Don't be afraid to say it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not as intense as she is. I'm kudos that she is that way. I'm a person that I'll definitely vocalize when I see something. If I see like, this is not how we should be doing. Like we're in the future now. I'm one of those guys that fully believes that we can make the life better for everyone. Like we have, we're in a state now of science that if we just can li- like listen and do it right, we, we would end suffering. We, like I think we have enough knowledge and understanding of what makes life uh, makes uh, makes life good, makes life better for each other, and understanding of how humans work that we can kind of even understand why we do bad things to people. So, like, I think we have a, a potential to make a better universe if we just like come together and stop kind of fighting over stuff. Like, listen, we have like you want your perfect world, we can make it. Like, we can, we, we you know. So, yeah. I'm one of those people that I think we have to vocalize a bit more because I am weirdly uh, always an optimist. I, I fully believe that we're going to have like at the end of this, we're going to be good. Just stop being assholes to each other. Like, <laughs> communicate, you know, keep, well, like so you tweeted something that I'm going to read. I hopefully verbatim pretty close, which I, okay. I took as a sign of like, OK, I see where this guy wants to go. And it okay. was the goal of America is to form a more perfect in quotes union. Mm-hmm. To build and create something perfect as a person that builds things, I have to remind mm-hmm. myself that the need to cut away parts is a vital thing. Not all the materials I started with are in the finished work. That, right. to me, like hits the nail on the head when you talk oh, about God. like how we do politics today. Like, oh, we can never let go of this thing, whatever that might th- thing might be for you. But mm-hmm. we have to be able to kind of slice and dice a little bit and make those changes because not only do people grow and change and humanity moves on, but more importantly, technology, as you pointed out. You know, I mean, now mm-hmm. I, I can talk to you instantaneously, like Star Trek type shit. And <laughs> right there, there's going to have to be regulations. There's going to have to be things that we have to do and we have to cut away small things. But we do also need to add things. It's not oh, yeah, just yeah. taking it, it away. It, it, it's a building. That's what yes. uh, I always remember. The When I say the more perfect union, that's what uh, the that's what the um, the the like 
the highest court in the land is literally designed to help make a more perfect union. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an active process. Like our society is not perfect. We're trying to make a more perfect. And that's, that's not a goal. It's a path and action you're taking with a trajectory. There's no perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. There is like, there's a bullseye you're aiming for that you're always trying to aim for. Like mm-hmm. you, I never get to a point like, Oh, I'm perfect now I'm done. Oh, this is great. Like, no, if you get that point, you're gonna hit by a bus. The moment you think you're perfect, you're probably done. <laughs> but like I had to realize, and I have to, I remember like when I, that tweet, when I went out, I was sitting there with plastic. I was, I was trying to work on something. And I, back in the day, if I had a piece of wood that I'm like, oh, I'll try to make it fit in there. I was trying to make a piece of wood fit into a sculpture or something else I was working on. And I realized the whole piece doesn't need to fit. It needs to be this piece. The rest of it, while awesome looking thing, didn't do anything for the end result. It was me trying to force a piece into something that is just because the piece existed in there. Nope. No, I, I shouldn't do that. Like I, the ability to, um, know when to trim away is a skill set that I think everyone needs to learn as they get older. Like, especially as like, I would love to keep every single person in my life as a friend. Not all people grow with each other. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There, and that's, that's the unfortunate nature of, of humanity and nothing bad. I have old friends of mine that I would love to talk with and love to see, but their paths have just gone a different path to me. I mean, nothing, not, not saying like, it's like, oh, he's a horrible person because of this It's just like, we just don't, we just don't gel. We don't have a good conversation. We don't have whatever it is, the nature of that. And that's how some of my projects I've worked on, I, I, they've grown. If I looked at the end project and what I started with, you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's not where I was going to go. I was starting with it, but the end result is exactly where it's supposed to be. And if I had tried to force my the original concept to be the end result, it wouldn't have worked. It would have been fine. I mean, like not saying, not saying it was, but it was horrible, but the end result was either through organic work with other people with just realizing once you're involved in it, sometimes you realize my, I didn't understand what was involved until I'm involved in it. Now I realize why that would never have worked. I mean, good direction, but I, I was just, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't know, didn't realize I didn't know it until I'm involved in the other project. So I'm glad that tweet, that tweet read well. It's one of my favorite tweets. I wrote it out being like, you know what? Every once in a while, I have these little moments where I'm like, you know what? I need to tweet something that feels like like it's a thought. It's a bigger thought. It's a bigger mm-hmm. than me thought. It's anything else. Let's get this out in the real world. So, but To me, that was one of your home run ones as I was reading. Yay! Reading awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll be quoted one of these days. Like, you know, <laughs> quote hyphen, you know, Magnus. There Magnus. You go. So, yeah. It works. It works. So yeah, let good. me keep going here a little bit more. Please. And let me ask you, why, why weren't you able to become a marine biologist? Oh, because uh, I love marine biology, but uh, all like I was in the Red Sea in 2004. I think the last time I was really doing uh, 2004, 2005 is when I realized I wasn't going to be a marine biologist because all I was watching was everything die. This is horrible to say. I so and I I, I went into marine biology because I used to uh, I had a uh, another ex. This is how my stories usually go. I had an ex that was a, a marine like she was a, a biology nut. Like she actually is a botanist now. She went to school and became a botanist, but she had fish tanks like crazy, and I never had fish tanks. I had like one goldfish as a kid, you know. And I was suddenly I'm looking. I went to these pet shops and I was watching and seeing these amazing animals coming in that people had no idea how to care for. So I started like researching animals and I, I remember one time I was sitting in a pet shop and there was this really cool fish and it was like a, a common name whatever it was like some sort of pleca- like a placostomus or whatever it is as a catfish and I'm like oh cool this is a neat name what's the Latin name for it and they're like oh well it's an L7346 whatever it is I'm like what's the Latin name I was like oh science hasn't named it yet I'm like wait what science hasn't named it you can sell it as a pet and they're like yeah that's kind of like there's all then I realized there's a bunch of animals that were just being captured and sold as pets and I was like what the heck this is really weird. So I started writing articles about pet care, pet trade, 
And then I started drifting to what the pet trade was doing to a uh, wild stock of animals. So and aquariums are easy because you can kind of see where they come from and you can go see where they came, where they came from and what happens afterwards. So I was going and studying like where certain animals were being kept or certain animals were being like caught and like how like humans like, that's a really colorful blue fish. I love it. So they get the blue fish. Well, the blue fish is the male, the dull females, like there's one male for us, like, you know, 200 foot radius. Well, if there's no male, those other females don't breed for the season and they're, they're gone. So like there was wild stock animals being captured and just decimated, uh, uh, the population is being decimated every time we take one of them out of there. So, uh, I'm in the red sea and I'm floating on a boat and this is the exact moment it happens. I'm floating on a boat and I've been scuba diving all day. And I've been like, cause I'm like just research. I was looking at, uh, I like puffer fish is one of the things I used to like a lot. Okay. And I'm, so I'm studying the panda puffer in the red sea. And plus I'm just hanging out too. I got a chance to go to e- Egypt and scuba dive for a fucking three weeks. So I'm like, gladly be there. That was a so yes. Was, that was a, that was a yes. That was a, that was a yes. Oh my, yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I'll be there. Like <laughs> I'll gladly be home. Oh my God. Totally. Yes. So, and they're going to pay for it too. Like I didn't, like I was going for research. I was scuba diving and, um, so, so I spent time actually, I, I worked for myself then too. So I took months off. So I lived in uh, Egypt for a while and, um, but I'm scuba diving in the red sea and I'm on the boat and the sun is setting and the people are diving. They wanted to watch, um, the twilight time of what happens like at certain times, like what comes out, what like that transition time is really cool. Cause like certain things come out cause I won't be eaten now. Other things are hiding because they're going to get eaten even faster. Right, so, right. um, like a lot of coral, like some nighttime coral will spawn and breed and stuff. So I am in the, uh, I'm at the top of the boat. And there was an older guy sitting and he's just looking out. And I'm, 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 what I was doing, actually, some of my first sketches and drawing was learning how to draw the animals I scuba dived with. Like I, I came up, I, my photography skills are horrible underwater, <laughs> but I can come up and like, I saw this, so I can draw what I saw. And it kind of was sketching out and kind of writing notes down. So I'm drawing there and the guy is just facing away. It's only him and I on the boat. And the guy who's the, the captain of the boat is just an Egyptian guy. And he's just kind of doing his own thing, whatever. And the guy vocalizes, he just, just starts talking. Like, like, like we're having a conversation that I didn't realize we we're having, I guess. But he's like, that's the, I, I can't do it anymore. It's like, by 2020, it's all going to be gone. And I'm, like, so I'm like, what? And he's like, by 2020, this, there's, there's going to be so many things gone. Like, he, he just came from the, uh, he, he was a marine biologist and he just came from, uh, I, I would say, like, the, like Australia. The, he was studying coral down there. And um, he's like, I, when you when you dive next, look at all the white spots in there. Look at look at all the all the the bleached areas. That is scars on this thing, and they'll 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 never get better. That scars will only grow. Um, and I'm, I'm sitting. I'm I'm like probably you know. So this is 15 years ago now. Like so, I'm like you know, 20s, 30s, and um, he he's talking away. And he's like, I just came from an area that was completely decimated. Uh, like not decimated, uh, gone. I keep saying the word decimated. Decimated is one. I always say decimated is one tenth. This is like there's le- leftovers. One tenth. He's like the 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 coral I just came from the study. I was there in three years. I watched it all die, and now I'm here at scuba diving. And he was like, I like the Red Sea because this is going to be the last to die. I think so. That's why I'm here. And I was like, and he's just talking, and he's just giving Jeez. this whole. Yeah, oh my God. And I'm I'm processing. He's like, yeah, why why he's there is what we're all doing right now is documenting. Like and what I'm doing too, I'm just documenting the under underwater the, universe. The death of this reef. That's what it yeah, sounds yeah, like and, you're documenting. That's all it was. And I realized I had no understanding of what I really was doing. I was just documenting it before it was gone. And I was like, and he was, and he this guy's an older guy. Like he's in the 60s. And he's like he was a guy who was with like uh Cousteau. Like he traveled the world doing scuba diving. Like he was a known, like and he was a marine biologist. He specialized in some sort of interaction with like like the small 
uh, the small crustaceans and like and like corals and stuff. Like he's very a niche thing. So and he was studying that and he was like, yeah, I watched the, some of the stuff go on, just watching it die, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I realized, and he they goes the moment the moment you see all those scars, you'll never be able to unsee those scars, and you'll never see them get better. And I'm sure enough, it was like I watched. I was in the water. And I'm looking down, and when when coral die, the coral of the, the the skeleton is bright white. Mm-hmm. So as the coral pulls away, the skeleton behind it is just and it's bright white for a bit, and then it just becomes mossy and dirty. Not mossy, but like algae will grow on it, and it's not a pretty thing. It looks like, and I watched, and so from 2004 to 2005 or so, I realized like my goal, my trajectory was doing like the design studio stuff, but I was taking months off and scuba diving in between. Like I work with a design studio and take like three or four months off because I, I set up projects that way. I always mm-hmm. design myself to have like months to do other projects to work on. So that's what I was. I was in Egypt scuba diving for that reason. And he said that and he was just like, yep. And this is 2004. And um, he, like a lot of his predictions, oddly enough, came true. Like he was talking. I remember him saying it was like the the um, the Great Barrier Reef. He looks at it, he's like, you should go to it now because you'll never see it any better than this year right now. And he, and he was being, he was being true. He wasn't being facetious. He, he was just one of those guys. He was sitting there just watching the sunset. And like, I wish I could say we we're stone talking, but it was that level of like just that deep process thing. Right. Right. And he was just at a point where he was sad to see everything dying. And the ocean has been dying long before the Amazon. I mean, else people has been dumping stuff in there. Mm-hmm. He goes, the stuff that he studied, he goes, every year I try to study something, it's usually gone before I could, like, I have to target it. I have to, like, go find it. He's like, like, and <coughs> it was rough. Like, his his words of it, he was like, all you're going to do is try to rush to document it before it's all gone. That's all your job going to do. Like, unless you want to try to save it, and it's even worse then because then you got to deal with, like, fill in blank here what's happening like one of the guys here's an example too one of the guys that are on that boat with me or one of the people on the trip maybe not that exact boat but one on the trip right he was his study was a very specific bay in central america where this type of river came out and the way the the type of minerals in the ground had a higher sort of content and the creatures that that were happening there was only found in this sort of area and he's talking about it it was like to hear him talking about it you would love it. Oh my God. As a person who loves people, mm-hmm. listening to this man talk about this one single bay, he's been spending five years working on it, caught me. Like it was just, I loved it. Oh my God. It was one of those amazing experiences. And he's still on cloud nine. He's like me, about the same age as me. So he is all like the world is taking off. It's, we're still working on it. This is going to be great. And fast forward, probably about 10 years later, I just, uh, one of the guys I was traveling with died, unfortunately passed away and like he's an older guy. So he passed away. And so we kind of like, Oh, so-and-so passed away. That's kind of sad. And I'm just shooting the shit. Like just, you know how you touch base with people yep. for various reasons. Unfortunately, yep. it's usually a wedding or a death. Unfortunately, that's how it works as you're an adult now. Yeah. But so this guy dies and we're talking back and forth. And I'm like, Oh man, how, how's everything going with that space down there? And he's like, yeah, uh, a mining facility dumped all their wastewater into the river and it killed everything. Like it annihilated the whole, the whole area is dead. I'm like the whole, he was like, I'm not being, he wasn't being facetious. He was like the entire area was wiped out. Like we're trying to repopulate it now, but the entire area is gone. Like all all the, the, the intricate things, like he was finding specialized species in this bay. Like there was very small copepods in there and certain type of anemone that had like, not anemone because it was on the Atlantic side, but, um, like he was, um, uh, like try, like Find stuff, and you, I, and we're talking on uh, uh on the phone first. We're te- texting back and forth, and we had a kind of a uh, a chat. Yeah. And but 
listening to that man who was like, yeah, my entire universe I was studying is gone. Every single fish, everything, the thing was gone. Like, and he, and he is now that man sitting in the back of the boat being like, it's all going to be gone. Thing else. And like, I reason I didn't do it. It broke my heart. Like, and I, that, that's the saddest way to say it. The reason I no longer do it was I couldn't be the guy in the water documenting the, the last stage of, uh, of a spe- like a species life thing. That is like, and that once I, once I was told that I could never unthink it. Like it, it, I cherished it. I cherished every dive even more so, but it was an awkward thing to realize what my end goal would be. It's like, you got to draw these pictures because that fish made it made around anymore. And it hit me in a weird sort of way. It, and it still does. That's what, here's the thing. It, it instilled my desire to help that I work with the Seneca Park Zoo. I'm on zoological boards. I'm trying to reforest Madagascar now. I'm trying to do it like help other projects. And I realize me in the water is not going to make a difference. Aside from, I mean, aside from loving the swim and love with scuba dive. Sure. I would much rather put my weird schmoozy ability, ability to talk, interact, draw, Use art. I've been using those skills for the past ten years to help all the other projects. Like I've been on randomest boards. I was I, I helped out. Um, I helped out our aquariums back in the day. Like I'd volunteer to bring animals in for breeding programs. Like, like it instilled me. I, I still love it, but I was I could not be a marine biologist because I didn't have the heart anymore. I literally just cut it out of me in a horrible, sad, sad sort of way. I'll tell you that's that. Crazy. I don't tell a lot of people the whole story, but yeah, sure. that's literally why I didn't become a bi- marine biologist because that was my goal. I was because I love biology. I love animals. I love like watching how things work. Like animal intelligence was my favorite things. Like I was doing puffer fish, but my real, I get a kick out of it, like cephalopods and brains and mm-hmm. like, like I like puffer fish because they're smart. They're oddly a smart animal. They can process you. They're like, they're like dogs kind of thing. Uh, but oh my God, watching uh, areas die. Like I, but I, I, a friend of mine sent me pictures. We are supposed to go scuba diving in uh, Tonga and I couldn't make it because of like a life event happened. They showed me, so I had these like, pictures back in there and a friend of mine went back a little bit ago and the reef was that they were doing was annihilated. Like it was dead. Like the whole area is like, we have to, we have to go out two more miles to find the reef to do it. I'm like, and that's, that has, that has, un- that was unchanged from like, you know, 65 million years since the last like massive thing happened in there, that the, the ocean is one of the most stable environments ever. Like the ocean very, doesn't change a whole lot. Aside from waves and water, nothing changes for pH. That's more kind of up top. Yeah. But even a, even a massive storm will pull nutrients from the water. Okay. Like a change of pressure will move stuff around. Like, like you'd be amazed at what a, a, a storm above will do just for the ground. But it's not like massive, right? Like, cause, but watching this and seeing like there's there's nature that like two degree difference in in some of these fish and coral kill it like there is uh, and i there's actually people in rochester that actually work with uh coral reef and stuff and everything and um they're trying to save certain coral and they realize the coral there it is within a degree or two because it was such a stable environment that if you went up a degree it would kill it and they're like yeah and of course that, that's the reason the coral is gone now Jeez. is that spe- that species because we went up a couple degrees in the ocean in this area and they're like yeah, the coral couldn't handle it because the coral, it's too warm. It can't, you know, it's just, it just, you know, it's a very delicate creature. Like coral are not just, they're, coral are not plants. They're an animal. They're mm-hmm. like an, its own sort of thing. Like, and the, the coral uses uh, algae and uh, other type of, like, they're photosynthetic creatures they share lives with. Well, if you go too warm, it kills the photosynthetic things. And they're very, so delicate. There's a very small level that they figured out how to be that niche to live in and that's all the ocean is the ocean is the most smallest niches ever and something evolved into this very specific thing and that's so i i uh so the guy i was you know this cascade effect is called when when one thing starts dying another thing starts dying and that that, that niche animals start falling apart when 
if you get enough of them in, it's just a natural thing. They're all going to fall apart. So we've been in a cascade effect since uh, 2005, 2006 of certain areas where it's like you can't – it's an unstoppable force now because we've lost too many of the other things. So, so you just exponentially lose Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever yeah, it, it is that was there? Yep, a cascade effect is uh, – and it becomes only – if only one – and the worst thing is you'll start having only a handful of very specific things taking over everywhere. Like uh, kudzo is a plant that grows in south – if you've been down to Texas, you've been down in south, uh, southern part of America. Uh, kudzo is a type of plant that just grows everywhere and there's nothing to eat it. And it just grows and it's taking over because everything has been niche dying off. That has been like, I can keep evolving. Well, that's the trouble with the ocean, too. We've have like certain things that can survive well. Once the niche thing's gone, they just like, oh, clear area to go. And that just takes over, too. So yeah. there's just, just the, you know, that's the cascade effect is everything dying down and everything else taking over. It's just horrible. So that's what it is. The horrible and not to be a negative spin to it, but <laughs> right. uh, it it cut me like I'm still like uh, I had one. I had a discussion a couple of weeks back or a month or so back about this. And it was the right moment in time. I started talking about it and I got wistful. Like my, I had a, like a tear in my eye thinking of the universe that I was seeing. And all I could see was death. All I could see was uh, a loss. Like it was, it was tough. Not going to lie. I'm, and I get, I love biology. I, I, the, the interaction of animals, like creatures and the, the diversity on our planet is as close as I get to a religious experience is understanding how much life has got diversity on our planet. Just crazy things. And seeing that again, like I, I, right now I can start, if I talk about it more, I'll start getting wistful, like, like tear up and sort of thing. So, cool. well, let me change it and ask you about one last thing. Okay. Um, and that is, I have in my notes here, the murder crows artwork in the, Oh, that, I love murder crows. That thing just touched a very specific spot because on Mount Hope, I remember leaving uh-huh. work and it was like dusk and just mm-hmm. walking out and realizing there was like what seemed to be a hundred thousand of these things everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Like the, a, a tree would be empty with leaves, but if the tree's full, like but, uh, you yes. think that, yeah, yeah. And I was trying to describe it to a friend of mine who's not from around here. I'm like, oh, like, oh, you have a bunch of crows. I'm like, I don't have a bunch of crows. I think we have all the crows. Like there is, uh, I, Oh my God. When, uh, you, you bring your daughter over and think, so I'm at my studios at the high falls. So literally okay. they love roosting downtown. And I like the reason I like crows are smart animals. Like you mm-hmm. can, like I can watch them and I have, um, you'll like, you'll again biology, you know? So I watch the crows roost across my, across the door here. There's a gorge. Like if I walk out my back door, it's high falls gorge. I can see the high falls from my studio. And, um, I would see just the trees who are empty of leaves, Pitch black. Like imagine a tree that has just black leaves on it. It's the best way to describe it. There's that many crows just hanging out. You're like, oh, this is a beautiful thing. Like there's so many. Of course, I walk over there and they'll be all kind of roosting. And I have been um, uh, inadvertently feeding them. I have this weird, like I like, like I said, I like intelligence. Oh, no, so, Magnus. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. This is fine. What I, I don't feed them where I'm at. I feed them where they are going to be oh, gotcha, anyway. gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So what I've been doing, though, I've been feeding the crows, and I've been uh, putting down shiny, like I put quarter. Like, any, if I find loose change in the ground, I'll put it in a pile. And I take washers, anything shiny. So I've been feeding them in a very specific area, and I've been putting down washers next to them to see what happens. And I'll come back the next day, and there'll be new coins. Like, I've been trying to, like, see if they're trainable. So I'm like, I want the, I want the crows. I want every crow to bring me money. So I've been slowly training all these crows. And I, I, I got like a, a five pound bag of peanuts. I'll put them out there. And I, I always thought that crows would be kind of cool. Now they start fighting over each, like they fight over stuff. And I thought they'd be like, so I've been kind of watching them. Like I've been writing notes. I've been like taking videos of them. So 
uh, fast forward, I, I I just like I love them. I'll be drawing stuff like I, I like birds. It's good form and stuff. And uh, uh, NPR did a whole story on them. And they asked me, they're like, hey, we looked about art. And I started talking about it. And I, I couldn't I couldn't join in the conversation. They're going to interview people. I'm like, uh, but the, the guy mentioned was like, but can I use that art? That big murder crow drawing you had there? I'm like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> totally. I love it. So, yeah, that, that, that's my thing. Like I, I it's part of my life. I enjoy the. It's a component of Rochester. Have these crazy murder of crows. Just so many all hanging out. Like and like like you got it. Like you walk outside and just see these massive amounts. Like it's like a movie set. Like I, I remember walking out and I just like I remember. Oh my god. Uh, so the the park across from Jiva Theater is the whatever yeah. that is. The I can't think of it. But so I'm walking through middle of the night and there's just a whole. It's dead silent and there's crows everywhere. And I'm like walking. I have like a long black coat on and I'm like this is a movie scene. My God. So also I take the coat and it's like put my, I, I clap my hands or something else and I put the coat open. Else every crow just like flies out there. And I was like. I wish I could have had a moment of like capturing that on film. It was like just a million crows all of a sudden just taking off. And I'm like standing there like in a black crow. Oh my God. It was like somewhere the goth version of me is very happy. You know what I mean? <laughs> they should so. have filmed Birdemic here just with all oh the Oh my crows. God. It would have been so much easier than those just <laughs> ah, ah, birds well, just staying and, in midair. And to tie oh. it back to Loveline, Adam Carolla, he was on uh, Hot Ones. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with that show. The, yeah. Yeah. The, the Hot Wings. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, they got a whole I only thing just... of him splicing, just talking about how awesome crows are. Oh, really? Oh my god, like, I, I he's haven't just seen going that one. on and on about it. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm impressed with him. Like, I, I used to have a, an African gray parrot. Uh, long story. I worked at a software company for a while, and their mascot was an African gray parrot. And the, the guy bought him just because he'd be oh, cool to have a parrot, not realizing it's a very smart animal that like needs a good home. So I, right. I took care of the bird for years. The bird's still alive. She's 27 or 28 now, and I got, found her a perfect home. She's spoiled. It's great. You know, but I watched her brain work. I'm like, that's a smart animal in there. And then I, that, I realized looking at birds being like, oh, there's a smart animal in all these freaking birds. It's really freaking cool. And um, yeah, watching the crows and watching that sort of stuff made me realize like there's a there's a dynamic going on here that I don't understand. I, I, I have to kind of get to see it. And it's like, again, it's just a crazy cool thing, especially to be able to see uh, uh, that many crows in a downtown setting, just kind of living their best life. So again, I don't feed them where my studio's at. I feed them over <laughs> there and they never come over here, never make a mess or anything else. So. But that, yeah, that so walking out that one night, it was the first night that it happened to me. And then afterwards, you're just kind of like, oh, there are the crows. But that yeah, yeah, first yeah. time it happens, you're just like, holy shit. Am I about yeah, yeah. to be they're, attacked? Yeah. You're like looking around. They're all staring at you. They're all quiet. You're yes. like, and just like, you know, like, oh, they, quiet. Yeah. And you know that there's a thousand eyes all, all on you. It's not like they're like looking around. They're all like, hey, human. And they're just like all looking and they're all kind of side eyeing you. and like, not going to rob you guys. Don't, don't kill me. Like, I don't want to get picked to death. I don't want to have like, you know, local news today, a skeleton found with, you know, bird feathers all over it, you know, like, no, no, no. But yeah, that's, I, I was happy. I got a chance to share my artwork. That one went on uh, uh, NPR and went out to the whole, like, I, it's one of those projects that I was happy to have my artwork shared on a national public radio on something about my, the city of Rochester. So that was just, it was fun. Oh my gosh. I loved it. And I had fun drawing. I'm, I'm trying to do more digital drawing. That's where that spawned from. So if I can share my digital drawings, like it doesn't cost me a whole lot to make. It's not like material usage. So if I can use drawing in that way, it helps me like that, that that's value to me. Like that, I don't get paid a lot. I didn't get paid any for that, right? To be honest with you. But what I paid in was being asked by NPR to make artwork for them. Like that, that's, that's cool. yeah, that struck me. That that's like, that's how my studio works. I don't make a lot of money in my studio, but I get paid well in what, like what matters to me, like those sort of projects, like this sort of thing. This is, this pays, this matters to me in my studio that can be here right now talking to an awesome person who's legit curious, who wants to talk about things. Ask, side note, 
best questions, by the way. You actually did research. Uh, most <laughs> podcasts just like, hey, we're going to talk. Let's go. That's fine. Now, like, okay, I'm going to tweet, uh, quote your tweet. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to be, I have to remember what no, I said. I got to yeah. do homework on, on the people that I talk to. Oh, uh, see, that's be the best thing. It won't be interesting. Exactly. So you get it. Like, I, that's right my radio show. Like, I'll spend my whole week deep diving. Just, catch, I love catching someone off guard. Like, so when you said this, or like, five years ago when you were here, like, oh my God, I forgot I even did that. Like, <laughs> those are the moments where you pull the person back into their own life. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, yeah. So kudos. I've had a lot of I, people I, I afterwards this. be like, you know, I forgot about a lot of the shit that I did. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. Dude, I, I have forgotten more stuff. Like I get reminded weekly what I had done, and that, that's good. I, I much rather have a life that's so full that I've, I've forgotten things. Like I had a, a meeting with a guy forever go back, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we did." And he starts talking about this project, and this is like 15, 20 years ago. About fifteen mm-hmm. years ago, maybe twenty years, but fifteen years ago. And I first, I, I, I knew I knew the guy, and I first had thought that he was just kind of telling it, like, "Oh, we did this," and he starts telling the story. And then as he's telling the story, I realize I'm in the story, and I'm like, "Wait, that's me!" <laughs> oh my god. That's right. We did do that, didn't we? That was a great thing. Holy cow. You know, that's what my, my goal in life is to do. I want to know how to do everything for as bad as that sounds. I want to I want to learn everything. I want to know how to do everything, um, because I think that if you know a lot about a lot of things, you can kind of fill in the gaps between it to understand even more. Like if you have a grand scheme of things, you can kind of fill those dots in to fill understandings of so that's the reason I like factoids the reason I read the random things the reason I talk to people is I want to understand this entire universe I want to understand as much as I can and I do it by asking people like everyone knows something I don't know so I want them to tell me what the, what I should know what the cool thing like even a kid knows what the best you know character is from a movie or what you know x y or z uh, like to, to chance to share an experience and you know those those things help me understand the universe I am in because I don't know what's going on. I have no idea what's going on at any point in time, but I help to understand by knowing, like listening to other people tell stuff and kind of get an understanding of what this current universe is. Like I'm stuck in my own timeline. I can't do any more than that. But to talk to other people, to learn from them, to learn what to expand me is what my goal is. Try to, you know, get as much as I can involved before I, you know, kick the bucket. So I share the same goal and I'm super glad that Matt said, <laughs> hey, I got a guy you should talk to. Good, and good. Oh my god, I'm so come glad. Come out to the studio. I, I'm really looking forward to being able to not just see oh. more of your work as time goes on, but uh, hopefully be able to pick your brain here and there as well. You can always message me. And actually, side note, I, I do want to get my podcast going. I'm I'm trying to do it like once a month. I'm trying to push up my Patreon page. Like I've been neglecting my Patreon page a lot. So if you have, like if you want to find me at Magnus Apollo and everything I do. So, but my Patreon page, I'm trying to get more. And people keep asking me like, you gonna do more of a podcast? Like they've enjoyed them. Like I get messages not weekly, but about once or twice a month. I'll sure. get a person like, hey man, you gonna do a podcast again? I like listening to you. I'm like, really? Oh my god. I feel like I just feel like every, the guests are awesome. But I, I may do more. But if you come up, I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna do like a quick impromptu podcast here as well. So. I'm in. I'm in 100%. But either way, I appreciate your time, Magnus. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you uh, as time goes on, man. Perfect. Can't wait myself.